can you hear me over there? Uh, yes, I can. And welcome to episode three of Movies That Made Me. I am joined today by Kelly Harris. And Kelly Harris runs Harris Virtual Solutions LLC. But what I'm going to do is I'm not going to take the centre stage. I'm going to let Kelly introduce herself. So away you go. Well, as you said, I am Kelly Harris and I am um, owner of Harris Virtual Solutions. I am a copywriter and content strategist by trade. I help coaches and course creators build relationships with their audience through heart-centered email nurture sequences that leave their readers connected and ready and eager to buy. Excellent. Excellent. I can hear, I think I can hear another little voice in, in the background. Who is that? That is my daughter. She is two and a half. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I guess she's going to be part of the podcast then. Whether she wants to or not. Yes. She there is. you go. She's very much my little diva. She has two older brothers and uh, all of my children have two middle names. So at church, they call her Jim because it's Gabriella, Emily, Michelle. So. Oh, really? Okay. The more the merrier. Brilliant. I'm sorry, what was the question? I was well, not, <laughs> not saying the more the merrier. <laughs> Well, and I'll tell you a quick story if you're up for it. The reason my children all have two middle names is mm -hmm. because when I was pregnant with my oldest, my husband said, if it's a boy, I want his middle name to be Danger so that when he's older, he can tell girls, Danger is my middle name. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, he gets two middle names, so he doesn't uh, have to do that. And then wow. we just kind of kept the tradition because four is my lucky number. So Really? Yeah. that That is a story. I would have never have um, done that myself but okay cool all right so kelly is here today on movies that made me um to talk about some of her favorite films as always what i try to do is i get my guests and my co-hosts to talk about their movies talk about where they were when those movies were on or what they were doing when they first saw them their favorite characters from the movies and kind of like the feeling that the movie gave them. Without further ado, we're going to kick off with your first movie. What would that be? My first movie, the movie that really um, made me, I think I told you, was Beauty and the Beast. Um, because I was 11 when I first saw it, and it was right in the time of... It's my turn to talk. <laughs> it was right in the time of... Um, you know, the Disney princesses, like the, yeah. the, the core Disney princesses. And I loved Beauty and the Beast because Belle was not just a princess. She was smart. And okay. she was one of the first role models for me that always had her head in a book. And that was uh, in alignment with me. Brilliant. Okay. So that film was made, I think it was 1991 it came out? 91. I was... 91, I wasn't 11. I was what? I was born in 83, so I would have been what? Seven, eight-ish? Right, nine. okay. Okay. It, sound, it sounds like the young lady over there is having a bit of fun. Yeah, she <clears throat> she is on my phone doing some some reading games and oh, okay. very involved with her headphones, but she doesn't <laughs> realize that just because she can't hear her, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when my son was younger, he used to do things like that. He tried to be on a phone call with somebody and he'd be in the background just... Right, that's when they're the most needy. Like as soon as you're like, "Hey, I need five minutes to go to the bathroom or whatever." No, they need mom. <laughs> and that is not a problem at all. 
I'll well, miss it when they're older. But right now I'm like, mom just needs to shower. Just just find your father. Like, <laughs> So Kelly, tell me in this movie, what is one of your favorite scenes? My favorite scene yeah. has always been when the beast gives her the library, partly because I aligned with her because she was a reader. But the first time I saw the library, I remember thinking like, I want to grow up and move into that castle because I don't really care about the prince. I want the books and I'm more interested <laughs> in all of the stories in the books in the library than having my happily ever after. Okay. But as always, whenever somebody has a favorite part or a favorite scene of a movie, I like to play that scene. So I'm going to drop that into the proceedings right now. Here we go. Then it's yours. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, would you look at that? <laughs> I knew it would work. What? What works? <laughs> it's very encouraging. Isn't this exciting? I didn't see anything. Come along, Chip. There's chores to be done in the kitchen. But what are they talking about? What's going on? Okay. I think also as a kid, I identified with Chip because I was like, it's about the library. And then as I got older, it was like, oh, there was mm. more to that that mm -hmm. I didn't understand. <laughs> mm -hmm. Kind of like those adult conversations that um, we hear, but we don't always know what's going on until we're like in our teens. I'm like, oh, you was talking about that? Really? <laughs> you just having a conversation with herself. Yeah, she's like, hey, I want to watch Bluey now. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yes, you can get on your phone or my phone and you can do that. Okay. You can keep going. <laughs> it's all right. Sorry. I was just listening in. So I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and talk about one of my favorite movies. Well, um, go ahead. And that is the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Oh. And in particular, it's, this, it's the... The notion that you're a, you're a teenager and you've just acquired special powers and what is it like to be a superhero at such a young age and be in high school. For me, that film and one of the scenes that, st that stood out for me was when he's in the corridor and there's a character called Flash who's um, he's not really necessarily a school bully, but he's just one of the bigger, louder kids in, in the actual high school. And it's the scene where they're in the corridor and then he's kind of finding out that he can hear things and see things and it's all really strange. And Toby Maguire is good at making that face of just shock and surprise. So that's one of the scenes that stood out for me in that movie, which I've got a clip of. I think you're pretty funny, don't you, freak? Fist breaking your teeth, that's the accident. Come on, Flash, stop. I don't want to fight you, Flash. I wouldn't want to fight me neither. <laughs> and it's kind of the way he's he's just finding out that he can hear and move pretty much quite faster than a lot of other people or just a normal regular person so that kind of look of shock and surprise in his face kind of did it for me and it had me kind of 
not wanting to be Spider-Man, but <laughs> I was watching it and I was like, wouldn't that be cool? Well, I think we all can relate to because things happen in our lives and we're like, there's that like shock and surprise that, you know, you're in one in this situation, but also that, you know, you have grown as a person, whether mm-hmm. it was through a spider bite or whatever, and now you're handling it in a different way than you were. See, I never thought of it like that. I was more, um, cause I was more like the, the, the cool aspect of having the right. suit and, <laughs> and it's kind of nice when there's a lesson, but you don't realize it no. when you're like, no, that's cool. And then later you're like, oh, there was something I was supposed to learn there. Got it. But I didn't, I didn't end up liking the, the movies after it, to be honest. Not, not yeah. I didn't like I, 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 I agree with that because I remember leaving Spider-Man 2 and being physically exhausted. Yeah. Like it was just so much stuff that was happening that I was like, we got to go home and take a nap because like <laughs> that was too much. Like it was very, I, I don't know if it was because I was emotionally involved or if it was because there was just so much action. But I remember leaving there being like, I'm tired. <laughs> this is, that was a lot. <laughs> And it, it, but I think Sam Raimi does sometimes make a bit of a stressful movie every now and then. But then subsequently, the movies, the Spider-Man movies that have been made recently, I, I they've been they were alright, but I don't feel as though they've come close to that feeling that I got when I watched Spider-Man the first one. It's it's like when you start seeing the the you know twos threes sequels yeah you know you make that connection the first time, and then yeah, you still want to see their story, but it's there's not that same no no yeah there's not that same feeling of like i'm i'm invested and i'm committed it's like okay it's my guy you know don't kill him <laughs> <laughs> yeah they i think they lost me halfway through spider-man 2 and i kind of i saw spider-man 2 and then i was like it was too much too yeah. much for me and at the time i mean i think i had a newborn and i was like you can go watch your movies honey that i'm out <laughs> like that, that was my line look <laughs> Still one of my favorite Marvel characters, but not he's not really up there anymore like he used to be. Okay. No. All right. I don't wanna I don't wanna take up all the time with just that one movie. So let's move on to your second choice. My second choice for movies that made me um was the Harry Potter films, specifically okay. the first one. Um, because I picked up the books because my cut my nephew was reading them. And my sister said, I picked up the books because I wanted to know what my kid was reading. I highly recommend them. And so I picked up, and this was back in the days when, you know, we were still waiting for books to come out yeah. and read the entire first book in a day. And I just remember being in it in movie theaters and watching the trailer of the first book come out or the first movie, the Harry yeah. Potter movie. And as soon as the music started, like, there was this whisper, like an excited whisper that went through the theater. And it was like, hey, oh, it's starting. Oh my gosh, it's the boy. It's the boy who lived. And it was very, for me in some ways, it was very surreal because it very much mimicked the very first chapter of the first Harry Potter books. Like, oh my gosh, he he lived like, oh yeah. And then it was just like a dead silence. And so for me, my favorite part is when at the very beginning of the first movie, when um, just before Hagrid and Dumbledore bring the baby to the the Dursleys, but all the owls are around and you hear that music. I mean, I feel like that music was yeah. so well done and there's so much magic there. I have that clip and I'm going to play it. But I do agree. Okay. I do agree when I first watched it as well. I mean, I, I didn't actually read the book. I kind of skipped all the way to the end and read the seventh one. Um, <laughs> I haven't read from about book five and a half to seven. I have, however, done like, 
yeah. some research and, and read it. it. Like for me, the books got really dark and it happened at a time in my life where in some ways it was paralleling um, the darkness and the depression and what. And so I, I ended up putting them down because really? one of my, I had always said when I was reading book one, two, and three, like my favorite character is Ron Weasley. If they kill Ron, I'm done. I will wow. burn all the books. Like I have this connection. I need, I need Ron to, to live through this. And then um, you know, I've seen the movies and I know the storyline and, um, it was interesting to me because for a long time I villainized Snape. And mm-hmm. then when I finally went back and like read the, the outline of the stories and, and went back and actually like started talking with people, I was like, Oh, Oh, wow. He mm-hmm. was very much a double agent and very much a, um, did it for the wrong reasons, but also for love. So, yeah. you know, you're yeah. like, no, okay. <laughs> you can forgive a lot for love. Okay. Like, but um, if, if my memory serves, Ron made out okay, right? Yeah, Ron. Yeah. Well, all three of them survive. And I was very happy for that because I found out in some of the earlier revisions, she intended to kill him off. Wow. Um, and I also know that Hermione was actually not supposed to be one of the three. It was supposed to be Ron and Harry and Neville. Oh. And when she took it to the publisher, the publisher said, you need to put a girl in there because right now it's a boys club. Okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And it also makes a great, uh, and I love the fact that Neville is such a hero later on because of all the people who had the most to, to lose when Harry, when they, Harry dies at the end before yeah. he comes back. Um, it was Neville who stands up and says like, it doesn't matter that Harry died. We still need to fight for, for good because it's the right thing to do. All right. I'm going to play that clip. And if you want to, you can kind of talk us through what you remember happening in that clip as it's playing. Perfect. All right, let's go. So this part is at the very beginning of the very first movie. And there's something about these chords that just for a lot of people is their childhood. They spent their childhood reading the books. They spent their teenage years watching the movie. And so we all have the little bit of magic in us. And at this point in the story, there are owls covering just a normal house on a normal street in the normal car. And it's probably the most muggle, non-magic people that you'll ever meet in your life. And it's right at the time where there's a cat sitting around and you don't find out until later that it is a witch. And she's just been observing the house because she's horrified at the idea that they're going to leave the baby who just lost his mom and his dad with these people. When you remember back, you remember watching this movie, do you remember what you were doing or where you were the first time you saw I, it? I, I um, don't know that I said this earlier. I'm based in Oklahoma City, and I can tell you what movie theater I was in, mm-hmm. what actual probably like the movie theater is now closed but if we were to be able to go back in there and walk in like I could tell you it was a second theater on the left and that we were seated like you know how there's the floor and then you start up the stairs yeah my favorite place to sit during that time was the very first row so that I could wow. put my feet up on the rails and I didn't nice. have and I had a beautiful view yeah and so I mean middle of that row that's where I was when I saw it because for me and I know for a lot of people the magic like at that moment everything that we had been taught like that you you're special and you know there's this magic and there's magic in the world that was a moment when it was real suddenly like oh like somebody mm-hmm. wrote these books and now they're really on a screen and you know if she can do that what can i do 
Yeah, it's really cool how you read about a character and I'm not sure if it's true for you, but did Harry Potter meet all your expectations as a live action person on the screen as he did in the book? Yes, I do remember. Um, I was not happy. The very first probably five-ish minutes, maybe the first time I saw the trailer, yeah. I was not happy originally with who they chose wow. to be Hermione oh, okay. because she yeah. is not look like the character in the book because the character in the book was very tall and gangly and had really long hair. And to me, like the first time I saw her in a trailer, I was like, what? Why would you do that? <laughs> and then, you know, through the seven books, you kind of develop a bond with Emma Watson playing Hermione. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, that's Hermione. That was that was always Hermione, <laughs> but it really wasn't. <laughs> so I'm, I do ask that question because it sounds though you really, really loved that movie and you was invested in it. So for you, I would expect if you're if you're a reader of a book and the book becomes a movie, is there are your expectations there's always met disappointment and, yeah there's always a little bit isn't there so so i just wondered if that was true disappointment because you can spend hours reading a book and you create that world in your head based on your experiences and your expectations exactly and i mean the book is really a key to this adventure and then when they remake it they have what an hour and a half to take all of your expectations and and figure out a way to put them on the screen but it's not just your expectations it's everybody who's ever read that book's yeah. expectations yeah. and by that account i think they did quite well i mean eventually obviously obviously you said it at the at the beginning maybe not so much and then it kind of grew on you in terms of the one of the characters so I think they might have done an all right job. What do you say? No, I think they did an incredible job. And it's been really interesting to watch them, the the, the actors now that they're all grown up yeah. and like them talk about their experiences as a kid. And, you know, when I was a kid or even, you know, I was a teenager when the Harry Potter movies came out, um, you know, those characters were those characters. So like Professor McGonagall was Professor McGonagall. And it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I discovered the Carol Burnett show and was watching. And I'm like, they're like, yeah, that's Dame Maggie Smith. And I'm like, that's <laughs> Professor McGonagall in like 50 years. Like, <laughs> um, um, and so for me, it, it actually kind of led to an appreciation of like the actors and other things that they did that maybe were before I was born. Right. Moving on smoothly to the next movie, I'm going to talk about Aquaman. I'm not even sure if there was an Aquaman made before this, but if there was, I, I haven't checked. But this movie in particular, I found that it was probably one of the better DC. I know there's been a lot of talk about DC movies not being good lately, but right. I found this was a, a decent DC movie. I didn't mind it. I like Jason Momoa, um, generally anyway. He's... He's not the best actor, but he's good at playing this particular character. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, from what I have kind of heard, he's kind of a laid back dude. And, you know, yeah. it's very interesting to watch them play characters versus who they really are. But that's how he comes across as well in the movie a little bit. He comes across, I mean, he's the main protagonist. He's got issues. He's got problems with his, he doesn't know who his mum is, um, right. you know. And his dad, does his dad, no, his dad's still alive, but um there's some conflict there, there is yeah and then he's got the whole backstory that he doesn't know about which is under the oceans and all that's going on and he finds out about it when he was quite young but he doesn't know the whole truth and right. the, the movie kind of plays out in like 
real time and then some flashbacks um, of when he's training and stuff. The parts that stick out for me are the comedic parts in the movie. There's a couple. I mean, there's one where in the Sahara Sahara Desert and um, uh, she says to him something like, um, you think best when you're not thinking with your brain or something like that. Because he says something and she figures something out and then they find this this way to activate this totem thing with with fluids and then there's another scene where he's in a bar and (laughs) and um these guys come over one guy comes over and says you're that fish boy aren't you um and you expect him as this really tough superhero dude to just be like go away leave me alone if they try and attack him he's going to beat them up but it's a surprise where what actually happens isn't that at all Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play that clip, but um, it's probably one of my favorite clips in that movie because it just kind of tells you the kind of person, the kind of character Jason Momoa is, not just in the movie but possibly in real life. So there you go. Right. Hey, buddy, you that fish boy from the TV? Oh, great. <laughs> it's fish man. What do you want? Can we get a picture with you? You're like our local hero, man. It would mean a lot. Whatever. All right, let's do this. Don't touch me. Right. <laughs> Unlike the, I forgot that he says that. Don't touch me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that when that came out, I think I watched that. I think I watched it in the cinema first, then. It came out on like Netflix or something. I just I watched it like twice since it's come out on Netflix, and I just yeah. sometimes watch it just to pass the time as well. I actually the first time I saw it, I was on a church retreat. Really? How yeah, was how was were, that? It, it was actually really good because they were trying. Um, it was kind of a fall day and it was very cold and yucky outside, and so they turned it on for the kids, and the kids thought it was the best thing ever because wow. they put out blankets and they got you know candy and popcorn and all the stuff and <laughs> and then they like projected it onto a wall and they were like this is our own movie theater y'all go do whatever we're we're good <laughs> but um I, I, that's kind of cool i mean i've never had that like where you're out somewhere and somebody just randomly just puts up a movie on a wall or you know um at, yeah. you're at a camp or whatever but yeah all right back to your movie what's your so this is your last one i believe Right, it is. Um, the movie is called While You Were Sleeping, and it stars uh, Bill Pullman and Sandra Bullock. And I was right around 16-ish, I think, when this movie came out. Yeah. And yeah. for me, I really identified with the main character, Lucy, because she works in the subway, and she is just kind of mindlessly doing her job. Well, she ends up being told, like, hey, will you work Christmas because you're the only one without family and the rest of us all kind of have plans. And so she begrudgingly does it. Well, there's a guy who's come by her booth every day and she's kind of like fantasizing about him, but she's too shy to actually right. say hello. And on Christmas day, he walks by and he says says hello and she's like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and then he ends up getting mugged because it's Christmas day and nobody's right. there. And um, he gets pushed onto the tracks. Well, she jumps on the tracks and she saves him. And then as soon as her um, shift is over, she goes to the hospital to see what happened and they won't let her see him because she's not family. And Mm -hmm. she um, says to herself, God, I was going to marry him, Um, (laughs) even though there's no relationship at all. Yeah. Well, the nurse overhears her and takes 
it takes her to him and says, Hey, he needs to hear your voice, honey. Like he's your fiance, like this will help. And so she starts, you know, like, hi, talking to him. Well, the family comes in um, freaking out because he's, you know, in a coma on Christmas day. And and the nurse says, well, this is his fiance and his family. He's like, we didn't know. We haven't seen him in a while. Welcome to the family. And then she's kind of stuck in this like, I can't say anything because grandma's got this heart condition and oh, I don't want to no, kill her. And no, I, can't, no. I can't not play this part. And one of the family members overhears her because she goes back to the hospital and she tells the guy in the coma, like in the middle of the night, I think you should know our, your family thinks we're engaged and they're a little crazy, but like, I kind of like them. And what, and his godfather overhears the conversation. Yeah. So he, he tells her like, just pretend you're his fiance because the family feels like that they've gotten him back because there's a connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he wakes up, it's all good. You'll break up. No big deal. Well, when he wakes up, the family is basically like he has amnesia oh, because right. they've oh, fallen, they've fallen in love with her. Plot twist. And they're like, no, you have to marry Lucy. You have to remember her. She's amazing. And the Godfather steps in and says, okay, like spend 10 minutes with her. If you love her or like, if you like her propose to her again, and if you don't, um, say no, like break it off. Well, in the middle of all of this, his brother has come to town and him and Lucy have started to like get okay. not really together, but like they both really notice that there's an attraction there, but he thinks that she's engaged to his brother and it's a whole oh, huge no. thing. Um, but at the very beginning of the movie, it's done as a flashback and she's voicing it. And she says, you know, my father always said that life doesn't turn out the way you planned. Yeah. I just wished at the time that I realized he was talking about my life. And I loved the movie because when I was 16, 17, I could see myself like, yeah, that would happen to me. Like mm. <laughs> I would mumble something under my breath and then we'd have a big problem and, and I wouldn't be able to get out of it. But at the end of the movie, my very favorite part is she ends up mm. uh, marrying the brother and not the guy in the coma. She says, you know, he once asked me, you know, when when I fell in love with with his brother. And she said, I said it was while you were sleeping. Um, but at the very end, they're riding off to their honeymoon and she voices over and she says like, thank goodness my father was right. Life doesn't turn out the way you planned. And I think for all of us, we have plans, but sometimes we get what we need instead of what we want. This is true. This is true. All right, here we go. So I had planned to marry Peter, but I married Jack instead. Thank goodness my father was right. Life doesn't always turn out the way you plan. But Jack, Jack gave me the perfect gift, a stamp in my passport. He took me to Florence for our honeymoon. I guess you might say he gave me the world. Peter once asked me when it was that I fell in love with Jack, and I told him it was while you were sleeping. There you go. Um, I think I, I think I have watched that because I, I vaguely remember um, some of the scenes that you talked about, especially the scene where he drops on the he falls on the tracks, she mm. saves him. I kind of vaguely remember the family, but what I think has happened with me watching that movie is I've watched a bit, left it, it's come on again. I've watched another bit, left it. So I haven't actually watched the whole thing all the way through from start to finish ever. So I'm that's going to be my homework. I'm going to go away and I'm going to find that movie and I'm watch it properly 
And, and for us, like for me, it's so funny because at the very beginning, she says, like, I asked my dad when I fell in love with my mom and he said, she gave me the world, but it was a light that had a globe. Yeah. And so my husband and I used to do community theater. And at one point we were given a globe that has a light in it and it's still in our house to this day. And so we jokingly say like, we gave each other the world because we have this huge globe Beautiful. that has this, I mean, it probably needs to be rewired because it was old when we got it, but like. Yeah. And it's very much based on that movie, so. But the, the symbolism is there though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, it's funny too, because I think in some ways, you know, she she talks about traveling because at one point she said, it, it, Jack says to her, like, if you could go anywhere, and she says, Florence, I'd love to go visit Italy. And I was always like, I'd love to go visit the world. I want to go see England and I want to go see Ireland and I want to go see, just because I think the experience would be phenomenal. And it's so funny because I married somebody who's as much a like, let's go adventure and let's go travel, even if adventuring is going out camping for the weekend, but let's yeah. go make the memory. I think what I'm going to do now is I'm going to let you talk more about your business and what you do, because now now we've finished talking about the movies, we've done all our movies. I think it's time for you to kind of say more about yourself. All right, perfect. Well, I am um, a freelancer right now. I own my own business. That was not always the case. I used to be a kindergarten teacher. Um, and then I always kind of knew that I was going to do it for 10 years and then see what the next chapter of my life looked like. And then the pandemic hit and yeah. I went from working 60 hours a week to about 85 with no days off Wow! Um, because we would be required to be there Monday through Friday. And then we had the weekend um, on our own to go like edit down the lessons and all of those things and then turn around and push it all back out on Monday and start over. And so it was my husband who came to me eight years into the, he said, I know we said a decade, but like this is the pandemic and it should count for three. So yeah. figure out what the next step is and go from there. And so I started my own business as a virtual assistant because I thought, okay, I can do all these things that I did teaching. Like I can take notes and I can do admin and I can do, you know, Google drive organization and all of that. And then last February, I was at a training with my husband, a Boy Scout training, and uh, he was trying to write something. And I let him just talk for about five, 10 minutes. And I said, here's your, here's your paper. Okay. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, well, it's an outline. This is what you need to write about. And he was like, these are really good ideas. Where'd they come from? <laughs> and I was like, you said them. No. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I did? And I said, yeah, you did. And I realized in that moment that I could listen to people talk yeah. and get their ideas <clears throat> and that I'm a good writer. I love to write because I love to find the right words for the situation and help people. And so I pivoted the business into more of a copywriting business. And because I love building relationships with people and making connections with people, that's kind of how it's kind of transformed into being an email marketer because right. I want to build relationships with people more on the long term than just like, here's the job done yeah. kind of thing. My question going back, do you, do you ever miss the teaching that you're doing? Um, there are days that I miss it. Like for example, where I used to work, they sent out a thing yesterday that said tomorrow's the hundredth day of school. And I was like, oh wow, it's been a hundred days that I have not been a teacher. And I always loved the kids. I've always loved seeing them light up when they learn and they really figure something out. But I always tell people it was the parents, the politics and the paperwork. Why I was like, okay, we're, we're over this. It's, yeah. 
um, because the kids were never the issue and teaching was never the issue. It was really more uh, about the expectations that they were placing on teachers and um, the fact that, you know, like I, I used to tell people, I said, I love kids and I want to do everything I can to make them ready for first grade. But if the kid is not in school and then the parent throws a fit because, well, they're not learning their letters and sounds and they're not learning to read. Well, you only bring them to school one day a week. I I'm doing what I can, but yeah. it was now, it was always not, Hey, you're doing a great job. It was, it's not good enough. Well, how are you going to make them learn this? How are you going to help them reach the next level? But it was never, Hey, you're doing a great job where you're doing. It's like, it, it was just very, like, very disheartening in a lot of ways because, you know, you would work your butt off and, and get those kids ready. And then the next year you were starting over and it was, you know, yeah. I, it was funny because I was very stressed about the potential of leaving my job and going out on this new adventure. And it was my 11 year old who actually was, um, the, the catalyst to that because I was upset one day and he said, mom, what's going on? I said, Derek, here's the deal. If I look 10 years down the road, mm-hmm. if I'm teaching, I'm still in the same classroom. I haven't become a principal or an admin or anything like that because Lord knows I don't need those problems. So I'm 10 years older in the same classroom. You're 21, your brother's 18, but I can clearly see what that looks like. Yeah. I said, now if I start this business, I feel like I'm at, you know, I feel like Beauty and the Beast when her father's in the woods and he's like, oh, look, the path that's super clear. And then there's this path that's super foggy and scary and whatever. I said, I feel like we're taking that path and I know there's going to be bumps in the road, but it potentially is limitless. Yeah. So I can't tell you exactly what that looks like in 10 years. I said, but I know it's going to be better and I know it's going to be like it's going to be more of an adventure and more amazing. And he was, and Derek said, mom, you already know the answer. You already know what path you need to take. And I was like, touche, fine. That's that's quite powerful. Do you feel, do you feel though that um, your experience from going, transitioning from what you were doing before to what you're doing now, your quality of life has improved and how much? I think it really has. You know, there are days when I've been concerned because especially when I first started out, like I, the way I ended up doing it is I, my business was officially LLC'd in December yeah. of 2020. And so I did both for six months okay. from December until last, the end of last May, I taught and worked a business. Wow, and there so were a couple of months that I didn't make any money at all. And I was like, Oh God, is this like a precursor, like foreshadowing on, on like, Oh, and, um, then I was like, you know what though, God has a plan and it'll be okay. And then the other thing with that was my two and a half year old was watched by my parents and I'm the baby. So they said, you know, like we we're 70 and we want to go travel before, you know, we're too old and have too many medical problems. So next year you need to put her in daycare. And so I was going to be teaching for free. And so it was like, mm, do I teach for free and kill myself or do I start on this new adventure? And now she becomes my coworker who wants to go behind the couch and poop. Um, but then suddenly I, you know, have these new opportunities and I can talk to people and make connections and, and serve the purpose that I feel like I'm ser- supposed to serve. And I think it's been incredible. Yeah, there have been bumps in the road, but I feel like it's it's not 
it's temporary. Yeah. It's temporary yeah. what, what we're facing now, because as I move forward and I push forward, then I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow and I'm going to meet people and the connections that need to be made are going to be put in front of me and the opportunities are going to be put there. So I just have to keep taking action and taking messy action, whatever that looks like for the day. So it's, it really sounds like you've really worked hard on taking the quote unquote scary out of change. Oh, I hired a mindset coach. Too, really? that, okay. Okay. Because I knew that that was going to be an issue because I came from a house that um, was very much like a, Oh, you got an 89. Well, why is it not an A? Oh, fair enough. Cause you're smart. You're yeah. smart enough yeah. to have a, a, a straight A's. Why are they not better? And it was never, it was always, oh, that's that's nice. Why isn't it better? And so I knew starting my own business was going to be a little bit of a a change because it wasn't really in my realm of existence. And two years ago, it was like, oh, we're going to do something when I quit teaching, but I don't know what that is. And then when I decided to start my own business and my family was like, okay, so you're taking a break from teaching and then you're going to go back. My father still says that to me, like, oh, you're taking a break. I'm like, no. Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> like, when are you going to go back to teaching? Never. <laughs> so really to this day. So, I mean, you, you've made all those massive changes. You've done all that work, but it seems as though the universe, your family still exists in still, it's still kind of wrapped up in that you're doing this, but you know, you can do better. Is that true? Well, or? exactly. And, and, you know, it's very interesting because my immediate family is super supportive. Yeah. Um, for us, and we've talked a lot about this, it's outside of the realm of understanding what I'm doing for my parents because their existence was, you know, go to school, go to college, get the job, work the job for 35 years and retire. Well, that existence doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you can be loyal to a company, but they're not necessarily going to be loyal to you. This is true. And so, um, you know, for me, the game changer was somebody said, you know, if you're working for someone, you can only be as successful as as much time as you put in because your time is directly linked to your money. And if you work for yourself, there is no limit. So what do you want to do? And I was like, mm, yeah, that one. <laughs> I, I totally, totally, without, without going into stories about myself, I totally agree with what you're saying because I've, I've lived that. You know, I've, I've been employed and then I've been self-employed and the difference between being employed and self-employed is it's like night and day. Mm. And the, the feeling you get from being able to control your own time, is, it's amazing. It really is. And, you know, my mindset coach and I've talked a lot about this because she said, you know, every holiday this first year, you're going to probably have a little sadness like, oh, it's fall break. I, you know, if I was teaching right now, I'd be doing whatever. And he said, it's, it's just part of going through life because this is so much of a change. And there were so many milestones within a school year that, you know, until you get to the first June and you can officially say like, I have now been self-employed at home for an entire year, <laughs> that, you, that it's going to be weird. And she yeah. said, and that's okay. It's okay that it's weird. And I was like, yeah, cause it is weird. Um, you know, it's weird to get up and take my kids to school and then come home and be like, Oh, what are her and I need to do? Well, we need to eat breakfast. We need to, you know, we're working on a routine and, and it'll change again because we've talked about homeschooling the kids just because I can, because I have a former experience yeah. and I, we're going to set up a co-op or have a, have them join a co-op that, you know, they can get their learning done in half a day and then work on the things that they love. And my 11 year old loves to wear a business suit because he is adamant that he is going to be a business owner like mom. 
And I'm like, go ahead. You know, they got cameras for Christmas because they said, go ahead and figure out how to do camera shots and stuff. I said, then you can do many sessions in the park next summer. And so then people might actually buy it. And if, and if they don't, it's experience. And they were like, okay. They went off and did it. Yeah, I mean, they both have cameras and it's so funny because I don't usually let them on YouTube unallowed, but they're like, can we look up camera angles? Can we look up like, how how do you figure out lighting in, in that? And I'm like, oh, if it's gonna help, if it's a, something that truly interests you and you can help other people, go for it. That is, I was gonna say amazing, but that is some very, very, very good parenting you got going on there because um, there's a lot of parents out there who might not have said that. They might not have bought the camera. They might not have pushed their or encouraged their child into doing something that isn't, you know, traditionally maths, English, science. You've got to stick with those things. You've got to just kind of be linear and not kind of think outside the box. Well, and it's interesting, too, because my middle one, um, we are actually having him tested for suspected just barely autistic and we did find out from the school who gave me tons of fits about testing him they did test him and then last friday said we found some issues i was like "Hmm, yeah i live with him i know (laughs) um but it was so interesting because we've really talked you know to the kids about like you yes reading and math and all of those things are important Mm -hmm. but it's literally all around us yeah so if you're cooking, you can do reading because you're reading the recipe. You have math because you're measuring all of the things. You have science because that's chemistry because heat is applied and the thing changes. I think people get really stuck on wanting the textbook stuff, but it's really all around us. And what I have kind of noticed is, and, and my kids laugh because they'll, they'll say, mom, I'm bored. And I'm like, good, go create something. <clears throat> because I say, you know, out of boredom is when the best things happen because we get so caught up on our technology and we get so caught up on these things, but they didn't exist 30 years ago. No, no. This was somebody's idea. And then they figured out how to make it work. I do have very, very clear memories of not having any of this tech and climbing trees, rolling down hills, um, running <laughs> through parks, all of that. But that just doesn't really happen so much anymore. Not that I can see or that. You know, I'm not a- my kids are scouts, so we are outside a lot, yeah. but it's, it's an interesting balance to be like, okay, we're going camping. Yes. You can take your technology until we get to the point where you're on a mountain <laughs> and there is no technology. <laughs> you can take it, but you can't use that. <laughs> right. You can take it. You can take it for the ride there and the ride back, but during nothing. Mm-mm. Like, Mm-mm. Oh, but uh, the same way, I think the first cell phone I ever had, I was 16. Same here. Yeah. And, and it was so interesting because it was a big deal back then, but they didn't really know what the um, consequences were going to be of it. And now we all carry around a teeny tiny little computer in our pockets. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure whether it's a a blessing or a curse. I think it's a bit of both. And I think for a lot of people, um, this was one of those things they recently said, someone recently said to me, said, you know, the world is full of consumers. That's why we make things on TikTok and we make things on Instagram. Their world is full of people who want to consume the information and want to learn. And that's great. But the people that are really the ones that are the most successful are the producers, Mm -hmm. the people making the podcast, the people making the TikToks, the people, you know, taking the action every day, even though it's scary to put something on Instagram to try to grow their business or to try to 
you know, make connections with the world or, or build those relationships. Exactly. And I want to just go on record as to say that Kelly, you are actually my first international guest. So I haven't got an applause button over here, but um, if there was one, there'd be the applause going off right now. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you um, from the bottom of my heart for coming on the podcast, coming on the episode, um, sharing your experiences, talking about your movies and talking more about yourself afterwards and just kind of giving us an idea of what it is you do and and how you operate. And I, I do appreciate you. Well, and I appreciate you having me. I, I love being able to, to just connect with people. And if that's through words or through podcasts or whatever it is, yeah. uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunities. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Well, that, that is our time. And as always, I'm just going to just play out my little outro, but um, I just want to say thank you and um, say hello to the young lady over there. Hello. Wait, like, can she hear me? Yes. She oh, can actually hear. Here. <laughs> Real fast. Can I say bye-bye? come say hello and goodbye hello hiya see my, hi. my, the listeners can't see what i can see but i can see a very beautiful young lady with a drink and she's getting a hairbrush by her mum and she's just looking at the screen like who is this guy and say bye who are you bye bye ah oh, beautiful bye okay, all right brilliant Okay, Kelly, hopefully um, in a not too distant future, I'm going to have you back, I think. Oh, absolutely. I Just let me know when and yeah. we'll get it on a calendar. And as long as it's on the calendar, it'll happen. I don't <laughs> think it will be a movies one. I'm going to change the topic and you can come back for that. So Sounds what do good. you say? Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant.